Coming to you from Raleigh, North Carolina, and across the sandy beaches of the Carolina coast, take warning, this is Kaniac Sessions. Kaniac Sessions. Providing you with in-depth coverage of your Carolina Hurricanes. And now, let's get on to the session with your hosts, Griff and A.B. Hello out there, Kaniac Nation. Thanks for joining us again for this new session of Kaniac Sessions. I'm A.B. Griff cannot be here. Uh, he's got some stuff to attend to. However... We have a special guest. Brandon from The Warning Take is joining us on Session 22. Brandon, how you doing? I'm doing good, bud. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So we got a we got a lot of stuff to cover today, don't we? We most certainly do. Last time we had a session was before the Vegas Golden Knights game. And that blew my expectations out of the water. Six Six to three win might I add, and the team looks solid. Six goals, Sveshnikov, Stahl, Kokaniemi, Bunting, Jarvis, Shea, mm-hmm. and everybody Everybody looks solid. What did you see from that game, Brandon? I saw a night and day difference with the team overall, like in every single situation, special teams, five on five, everything, it looked completely different. And one of the biggest things that I noticed about it, it seemed like that they were managing to carry the puck in more and not having to dump it in so much. And as we get to talking about some of the other games, I'll probably touch on this some more. But it looks like they're playing a little bit less dump and chase, a little bit more clean entries, generating more chances off the rush is what seems to be the most different thing right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I I definitely think that going into the game, Vegas was the best team in the NHL, and I was expecting for the worst to happen because uh, we had just lost to uh, Washington uh, two to one in a shootout, but Mm -hmm. Carolina looked back to their form, how they were last year. They were all over the place, very minimal mistakes, but it was a one, it was a one to six game until, you know, there were a couple of, there were two goals let in, but, you know, that's how I want the team to play to continue. So, I mean, I, I, everybody played great, in my opinion. Yes. The best part about that night, though, I know it took him a long time to get his first goal, but I don't think that there was an, a, more, a more appropriate venue or team for Andrei Svechnikov to finally get a goal against because mm-hmm. of, you know, I was at the game where he, where he tore his ACL and everything like that. Oh, I didn't and, know that. Yeah, I was there. Um, and... um that was actually the last one I made it down to before uh, game five versus the devils. And it, it was weird because I saw it happen in real time where he pitched forward in kind of a weird way uh-huh. and he leaned back. He goes, <clears throat> he goes to the bench, he goes down the tunnel, he comes back out for a little bit and then goes and then goes back down. And we know how poorly that game went for us. We lost four, nothing to the eventual Stanley cup champions, but mm-hmm. it was great to see him score against Vegas. It was almost worth the wait and now he's got the monkey off his back. And one thing that's been a little bit overlooked since Aho's been on his monstrous tear lately, mm-hmm. Svechnikov is nearly a point per game again. He is currently sitting at 21 points in 22 games played. Absolutely. We, we talked to uh, Shane Willis a couple of sessions ago, and mm-hmm. we were talking about how Svech needed to get the monkey off his back. He just needed one, but it got taken back because it was a, I think it was offsides. It was offsides. Uh, once he got that first one, 
he he and we'll talk about it here in a little bit he just looked like a totally different person so positive yes. win for uh carolina against the rain the defending stanley cup champions but now we're going to talk about pittsburgh Sidney crosby started the scoring off in the first period with a nice tip out in front Tavo Cheravainen tied the game, and then we went to a shootout. And honestly, I don't know about you. I I thought we should have won that game. We had so many chances, but the thing that really aggravated me the most was the shootout lineup because we had Nason, Sveshnikov, and Teravainen. And what did you think about what did you think about that game? Well, first off, I think the officiating had a little bit too much influence on it. I won't say it was the only reason Carolina lost, but... Oh, talk it, about that OT call, yeah. Uh, the, no, it was more than that, man. It was like, there was a lot of stuff during that game that I was kind of like, what? And, you know, the biggest thing I think that we have to understand with the way that Carolina is built, when you go up against in a shootout up against a team like Washington, Toronto, Edmonton, one that's known for having a lot of offensive weapons, you know, that's not a situation that will probably nearly ever favor Carolina. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not a shootout team. That's just, that's all there is to it. Right. Um, so as far as deciding who we put up in the shootout, I have no idea where to start with that. It's like, you might as well pull names out of a hat. It's, okay. It, you know, it's like, I would think that, you know, it's like, it used to be easy. McGinn was someone you definitely put up in the shootout. Hamilton was someone you definitely put up in the shootout. Everybody we have now I don't know who I'd put up there first. Ajo's very hit or miss in the shootout. Jarvis is a little hit and miss in the shootout. I'd have to look at what their attempts versus conversions are on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I did not like that shootout lineup, but I can't say that I could come up with a better one myself. Mm-hmm. I think Svechnikov didn't go up in the shootout in that game, did he? Uh, let me double check. I think I may have read that out. I'm not 100% sure. I'll double check here. That He did. He went second because okay. Mason went first, but... I mean, listen to what Pittsburgh had. Ricard Raquel, Sidney Crosby, oh, and Chris Letang. And yeah, Sidney that, Crosby, not... I will eat my words because we did a um we did a live stream with Penguins uh, collective. I did mm-hmm. and super nice guys over there. If you mm-hmm. haven't, go and check them out. Yeah. Uh, but Sidney Crosby is insane. Mm-hmm. I mean so good at what he does and i honestly think he could play for five more years but yeah if i if i were to put a lineup together i honestly would put ahu out then mm-hmm. put tara Vinen, and then maybe put out brent burns mm-hmm. tara Vinen historically is actually pretty decent in the shootout um okay. i'd have to double check the numbers to be sure but let me think about this like i'm running our roster through our head right now Aho, it's like, like I said, he's kind of hit or miss. There's times where it's like, okay, he does, you know, that same move that he always does, the quick forehand, backhand, drag, and tries to yep. tuck it in five hole. And then there's mm-hmm. times where he does what he did to, uh, was it Vasilevsky that night in the shootout? Yeah, in, dude, in that Tampa? was insane. Yeah, there's the times where he does stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, when it comes to Aho and the shootouts, he's very binary. It's either a one or a zero. Um, as far as us having consistent shootout performers, considering we don't, make it that far a whole lot because you know maybe natchez would have been a good option put out there because he is the most one of the most dangerous guys in the league with open ice and it doesn't get much more open than shootouts mm-hmm. so maybe he would be an option i don't know that's a tough one yeah so looking at the penalties too 
I uh, was looking at uh, this right now. So mm-hmm. Nace, in the first period, Nason uh, got called for a hooking and Malkin got called for a hooking. Mm-hmm. In the second period, Nason, Drury, and Brett Pesci got called for a penalty. Mm-hmm. And then in the third period, Eric Carlson, and then over time, Andre Svechnikov. But mm-hmm. it, it just, it, we should have won that game. There were so many opportunities too. And former Hurricane Nadelkovich, you know, mm-hmm. he's bounced around. Uh, he was with Detroit. It didn't pan out there. Now he's on Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. He, I really feel like there were multiple shots, probably around 10 that should have gone in the net. Mm-hmm. And speaking of uh, Crosby, the whole thing with him and Svechnikov in the overtime, that's one right. of those situations where I think you need to call both of them because Crosby grabbed a hold of Svechnikov's sweater two times before the arm went up. So yep. I can understand taking them both. Mm-hmm. I can understand not calling either one of them and let it play, but that's, one of the few situations where I'm going to say you got to call them both, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, they, they should have won that one. I'm glad they got a point out of it though. Like honestly, like in hindsight, as far as like collectively the team goes, if we're talking about the last five or six games, that was probably mm-hmm. the worst in terms of like ones that they were kind of bad. I think that was the worst. I think they actually played better in the Islanders game than they right. did in that one as a team. Right, 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 right. So now we're going to move on to, the Islanders game, that was the most frustrating out of the past couple of games. Sebastian Ajo scored not the good one. The Swedish kind. That's right. <laughs> His first goal of the year. And then Tara Vinen followed it up and then followed by two more goals from Nelson and Horvat. And then Ajo got a power play goal. Mike Riley followed it up a little bit after. And in the third, Slavin, then Anders Lee, and then Stefan Nason. Mm-hmm. Uh, the power play went two for four, and the Islanders went 0 for three. Uh, Carolina had 40 shots on goal compared mm-hmm. to 28 shots from the Islanders. But this is the stat that really, really stood out to me. We blocked eight shots. The Islanders blocked 24. And the Islanders have definitely improved this year. They didn't really make a lot of moves in the offseason. And, you know, I predicted them to finish about five or four in a wild card spot. But, mm-hmm. man, uh, Bo Horvat is really showing up for them. And uh, Brock Nelson has played very well. But this was a game definitely that was a heartbreaker. You wish you could have won. Especially considering, let's see, who all did they have? out? Like, I think they had three of their six defensemen out. Adam Pellick was out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know how much I like Adam Pellick. If I had to replace Jacob Slavin, that's who I'm targeting. Um, Scott Mayfield, he's been injured up and down this past year. Was so Dobson maybe out he too? Wasn't in there. Um, that's actually a really good question. Um, let's see. Was Dobson out? Uh, so Romanov played. Um, Pollock. I think Pollock was out. Uh, Paul, yeah, he didn't play. Uh, He's on LTIR now, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was uh, Pollock who didn't play. But yeah, they were missing three of their six defensemen. That's a game that Carolina should win 10 times out of 10. Um, Out of the the last five, and Kochekov has been great lately, um, that was the one night where I felt like he kind of could have moved the needle the rest of the way and made the difference, and he just had a little bit of an off night. But if that's going to be 
the low end of the performance spectrum for Kachekov, we're going to be fine. Yeah. So now we got the L's out of the way. <laughs> so the 27th of December, the Canes picked up a big win against the Nashville Predators, 5-2. to two. Sebastian mm -hmm. Ajo and Brent Burns on the power play. Started off in the first period, then uh, Gustav Nyquist uh, followed it up, then Svechnikov, then O'Reilly, then Drury, then Jarvis. Uh, uh, that game was so much fun to watch because yes, it was. We, only, we only shot 25 times compared to their 37. One mm -hmm. for four on the power play for them, three of six on the power play for us. So mm -hmm. everybody was clicking. The power play, in my opinion, is starting to really click now. Yeah, forty four percent this month. I mean, what it what did you think about that game? Because obviously, you and I both watch it along with a lot of Canes fans. I mean, what did you see from that game that really stood out compared to the back to back losses against Pittsburgh and uh, New York? So one of the biggest things is Carolina used to or was having a little bit of a problem being, you know, dominant in the face off circle. Which when they're dominant in the face because they're a very possession driven team, when they're dominant in the face off circle. You know, when they control play from between whistles, they right. play a lot better. Um, mm -hmm. One of the big things to note in that Nashville game, they were incredibly dominant in the face-off circle because their face-off percentage was 62.7%. Wow. And the power play, of course, as we said, three for six for 50%. Um, they, they were, and the other cool thing about it is, here's something that's normally the other way around. Nashville had 37 shots on goal to Carolina's 25, and Carolina scored five goals on 25 shots. Yeah. So they're finishing on, they're ma making more quality chances and they're finishing on them more. And this just kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the show. One of the things I've noticed is it seems like the system, there's been a few adjustments made and there's more clean entries now because playing Brenda Moore's brand of dump and chase puck retrieval yeah. with numbers, it can get arduous. I yeah. think that there is a time and a place for it. I think if we go into the third period with a three goal lead, that's a perfect time to play that way. But playing 60 minutes like that has got to be kind of rough on the guys. And I think now they're making the adjustments of like, hey, let's run things differently if we're tied. Let's run mm -hmm. things differently if we're down. Let's run things differently if it's close. And then mm -hmm. you can go to that suffocating forecheck to close out games. You know, it's kind of like with baseball where you have a starter and a reliever. Let the suffocating forecheck be your reliever. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing I've noticed. They're definitely playing a little bit more of a clean entry offense off the rush, generate high danger chances and finish on them. They're not just arbitrarily throwing the puck at the net as much as they were. Mm -hmm. Defensemen included are actually not just up and throwing it in the bread basket like they were. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and like with the last game that we talked about how, um, how there were a lot of shots blocked against us and everything like that. That's mm -hmm. another thing that I think that we still got to learn because like I thought Orlov would be putting more shots through than what he is. And last I looked, I think his shot through percentage is only like 45%. Mm -hmm. So once that type of stuff gets adjusted, then yeah, I definitely noticed an upward trend in all those things. Yeah. I, like you said with the dump and chase, it's always aggravated me because a lot of teams are very good at carrying it in their own zone and mm -hmm. keeping it in there for long periods of time. In the past couple of games, I've really noticed that, you know, even if we make mistakes in the uh, the other team's entry, you know, we'll recover pretty quickly and keep it in and keep it in um, the offensive zone. So it, it's one of those things where, especially when we were going downhill for a little bit. 
we were definitely adjusting and the zone entry, especially on the power play, the zone entries are there. It's not just dump three forwards chase and have the two defenders back. So that that's the biggest thing for me. Cause I've always been frustrated with the zone entries and mm-hmm. the way the power plays operated and uh, a face-offs, especially too. If we talk about face-offs, you know, Aho and stall are very good on face-offs. Kokaniemi uh, and Drury, you know, Drury, I will say, has been playing so much better. Mm-hmm. He is definitely taking steps forward. And Kokaniemi got hot really early. He's kind of cooled off a little bit. But, you know, it also makes me wonder, and we'll talk about this uh, here in a, a little bit, of the mm-hmm. trade rumors maybe. So, I mean, Ooh, yes, so- solid win. But any other thoughts to that game? No, that was um that was definitely a turnaround. I don't know if the boys talked about something during the break or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um but that was definitely like th- that wasn't just a step in the right direction that game. It was it was a huge leap in the right direction and everything like that. We got everything we needed. We had the power play going, penalty kill was going, forecheck was going, transit transition game was going. They were disrupting Nashville's transition really well and we got the goaltending on top of that. So, yeah. complete team effort. That game was very fun to watch. Yeah. So now we'll look at Montreal's when we played Montreal. Andre Svechnikov entering this game had three goals. Obviously, he missed a little bit of time recovering from that ACL injury. He scored a hat trick. He messed around and scored a hat trick. Mm-hmm. And we beat him five to three. Uh we had 31 shots. They had 21. They had more blocks than we mm-hmm. did. Face-offs were a little bit lenient towards uh towards Montreal, but we had more penalty minutes. So Mm -hmm. it was one of those games where the stats didn't look the best, but Mm -hmm. the team was gelling on every single thing that you could possibly imagine. Cause it went two to two in the first period. And then Carolina started to slowly run away with it in the third. And the other cool thing about this game was you had five different players with a point. Mm -hmm. Um, and like you said, the Montreal definitely the the faceoffs favored them a little bit more. And you know, it's like sure the Hurricanes only went one for three on the power play, but I will take a thirty three percent power play on the Hurricanes, considering some of the stuff we'd seen in the past, especially the first you know little bit of the season and everything like that. This one was not as good of an effort as the previous outing, but they still got it done. Good teams find a way to win, even if they're not playing their absolute best. On a scale of one to ten, I'll give Carolina a seven in this game overall with everything team defense um, entries, all that type of stuff. This one, it, it could have gone either way. So I'm glad that they stuck with it and got through, but in the third period, it seemed like that they really, really turned it on. They didn't quit when stuff got rough. So I was really happy with their effort overall in this game, but not their best one of the week by far. Seeing Andre Svechnikov get that hat trick though. That was absolutely amazing. That was one of the times where it was demonstrated your best players have to be your best players, and Andrei Svechnikov literally was the difference maker that night. So it was really good to see him breaking mm-hmm. out like this and mm-hmm. get better and better and better. So, But definitely a case of your best player or one of your best players was your best player. He made a difference. And, of course, Ajo mm-hmm. continued that this monstrous point streak that he's on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the last game we'll cover, obviously, uh, by the time of recording, it is – December 31st. So last night got a huge win in Toronto, three to two win. Carolina jumped up early on the power play with former Leaf, Michael Bunting, 
Second period, Seth Jarvis tallied the Hurricanes to go up two to nothing. And the third, Timothy Lindgren scored. And Sebastian Ajo put the net, put the empty net goal in. And a little bit of controversy, maybe Nicholas Robertson got the goal with about 10 seconds left in the period. Carolina, 28 shots on goal, 27 for Toronto, 12 block shots compared to their 11. Had more hits than we did. Their faceoff was far better than we were, winning 36, and we only won 23. Two for four on the power play. They were 0 for three. So uh, this game looked very complete, but after Lindgren scored, I started to get a little bit nervous because he hadn't scored at all this year. So, mm-hmm. But it was really bittersweet for Bunting to uh, get that goal to kind of just stick the middle finger right in their face because yes. – uh, I will say Bunting and this power play, we'll talk about the power play here in a minute. They are solid right now. Ajo assisted both of the power play goals from Bunting and Jarvis and scored another one. And we'll talk about the past uh, five games, but Kochekov stood on his head. He looked like an elite goaltender. He is the future, the way he was playing Last night, everything looked great. Our defense was there. Brett Pesci has said some bad things about him. However, he played a very solid and sound hockey game last night. I will say that for a fact. And obviously, Toronto's having a little bit of goalie troubles. And uh, a couple of minutes ago, I just saw that uh, Ilya Samsonov is put on waivers by Toronto. Yeah. But what what did you think about that game from top to bottom? So from top to bottom, good effort as far as they disrupted transition a lot for Toronto. Like Toronto did generate a good amount of high danger chances specifically in like the first uh, 20 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. But everything after that, Carolina like significantly like it, it was it was one of those games where Carolina did what they had to do 5 on 5 to keep it close. Mm-hmm. And then the power play ultimately made the difference as well as Aho getting the empty netter at the end and everything like that. The biggest guy who stood out to me was who scored the second goal which was Seth Jarvis. Dude was a little wrecking ball, and he was involved in everything, it seemed like, in that game. Mm-hmm. It seemed like every second that Mike and Tripp were talking about something he was doing because he was all over it. Mm-hmm. There is not a whole lot of players who do something that he does very well, even though it's it's kind of a simple concept, but it's also a little bit harder to execute. Seth Jarvis, for being as small as he is, there are very few people that can go into a corner and use that low center of gravity like he does and separate player from puck regain possession and then make a play afterwards whether that's a pass or putting a shot on net or whatever it is that he does and that was one of those games where i feel like it really exemplified his style of play bunting as well but jarvis in particular really showed how he's valuable to this team mm-hmm. and i think that like that was one of the best games i've ever seen him play as a hurricane Mm-hmm. It was def- the sophomore slump is over. He's definitely taken off, and he's gonna get a he's gonna get a pretty hefty contract this year, if I were to guess. But before yes. we get into the some New Year's resolutions and some talk about some of the players that have stood out, let's take a look at our sponsor. You're listening to Caniac Session. Download DraftKings now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, 
an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. So we are back, and we are here to talk about three players that have stood out the past couple of games. Brandon, why don't you uh, enlighten us about the three players that have been standing out for people that haven't been watching? So, as aforementioned, Andrei Svechnikov, who has now played 22 games this season after coming off of that ACL injury, is now up to nearly a point per game again with a total of six goals and 15 assists for a total really? of 21 points. Yep. And okay. Okay. And the cool thing about it is half of his goals came in one night when he had that hat trick, which was really right. awesome. Um, Piotr Kochekov in his last five games in particular, okay. here are his uh, save percentages and goals against averages. And you'll, and I'll say what game it was and what it went along with. So okay. December 19th versus Vegas. 909 save percentage, which, you know, if you don't count the two weird ones at the end, that's significantly higher for mm -hmm. a total of three goals against. Of course, we won that one. Then he the game against Pittsburgh in which we had an over or I'm sorry, a shootout loss where he still had a 960 save percentage and allowed one goal. Mm -hmm. Then December 23rd, which was kind of his down one. I feel like that he was he was a little bit off in that one. So mm -hmm. that was um Five goals against, made 28 saves for an 8-2-1 save percentage. Mm -hmm. Nashville, he was an absolute monster again with a 9-4-6 save percentage, two goals against. And then last night, of course, 9-2-6, or yeah, 9-2-6 save percentage, two goals against on 27 shots. And that one that even though I know that it ultimately counted, that yep. one that he made that crazy save on to get it in the glove, even though the momentum carried him all the way across the goal line. Are you talking about not, the Toronto? yeah. I don't think I'm, that I, 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 I'm there not was entirely no convinced that was in. evidence to do that. That's a no. whole different topic. Yeah, it is. It's like I, I remember texting my dad. And I'm like, I'm not entirely sure that they made the right call there. I mean, it ended up being inconsequential, but like, good thing Aho got that empty netter right before that. Mm -hmm. So Piotr Kochekov is on a significant upward swing right now. And in 20 games played, he now has nine wins and one shutout, a goals against average of 261, which if you're below three on the Hurricanes, you're looking pretty good. But if he gets below 2.5, even better. And his save percentage is now a solid 900, and we were worried that it wasn't going to get back above nine before too much mm -hmm. longer, and he has managed mm -hmm. to do so. What I what I really think is that I saw a graphic uh, yesterday of the 
eight points in, I can't remember, was it two or three games? It was on Valley uh, Sports, but Sveshnikov was up there with Ron Francis and Eric Stahl, but he only had one goal and seven assists, but it clearly added to the mark. And anybody that is listening that is not a Hurricanes fan, Sebastian Ajo is elite. He is a two-way forward and is so good at what he does. But uh, Coach Etkoff has really stepped up. You know, we've had some injuries bite us, and obviously Antti Ranta got sent down to Chicago, and he was eventually called back up. Mm -hmm. And Freddie Anderson's still uh, still dealing with uh, some uh, uh, injury, and hopefully he can come back. But Kochetkov, he's what, 24, 23, maybe? I think he's 23. 23, and he's playing the way he's been playing the past couple of games. I This is definitely a sign that this guy is going to be the future. He's and, 24, actually, but still. Yeah, but uh, still, I mean, so young, you know, and it takes a lot to throw a goaltender in there and say, hey, here are the keys. Can you run with them? And, and here's another thing. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now, here's another thing we have to remember about Ajo. So consider this. Sebastian Ajo is one of the best defensive centers in the National Hockey League yep. by far. Yep. The, I would say a couple of other defensive forwards that still put up a bunch of numbers that are on par with him and could be a little bit better or a little bit worse on any given night would be guys like Rupe Hentz and Nico Heischer. Now, taking into account the giant net positives you get from what Aho does defensively because he goes up against the Sidney Crosby's and the Austin Matthews and the Connor yep. McDavid's of the world. Yep. In 554 games played, he now has 233 goals, 277 assists for a total of 510 points. Mm -hmm. And he has a plus minus rating of plus 87. And I'm not the biggest believer in plus minus unless it's inordinately low or inordinately high. Yeah. But considering he's an all situations player, he is utilized in every single situation and he's a plus 87. The guy's elite. It's just a lot of people have this misconception. If you don't habitually score 100 points over and over and over, you're yep. not elite. Yep. Yep. This guy's always, elite. Yeah, that's always how it is. And considering some people call us a poverty franchise, I saw something about uh, Toronto tweeted it out. And I looked at it and I was like, didn't y'all just make it past the first round for the first time since like 2003? Or some or something ridiculous, something ridiculous like that. But Carolina's been Carolina's been so consistent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why I uh, that's why I tweeted the thing about uh, where I put the Ted offensive up, which happened in 1968, and I was like, the last time the Leafs won a cup was before this happened. Yeah, that, that was it had something to do with Vietnam. I was yes, like, damn. <laughs> was it? Has yeah. it really been that long? Yes, 1967, and when they won, I think that. I think there were still only six teams in the league then. No, 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 no. I don't think it was the original six. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not. Not six in the league. I mean, six making the playoffs. I think. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, I knew it was well after the original six era. Um, I think only six teams made the. Either way, it was easier to make the playoffs back then than it is now. And I think that they only played. Yeah, I want to say it was six teams back then. I really, I really think that. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. Um. I'd have to go back and look, but yeah, like we get called a poverty franchise all the time. Yet a lot of the franchises that refer to us as poverty franchises, we've had a little bit more success than them yeah. recently. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, we would have been in the Stanley Cup finals last season if it hadn't been for Sergei Bobrovsky. That is the only reason yep. that Florida won that series, and I will die on that hill. Okay. But no, Sebastian Ajo is definitely someone who should be considered as one of the top 10 centers in the league. Mm-hmm. It's just he never will get that recognition until he puts up a 100 point season, and then they'll say, oh, that was a fluke. He won't do it again. Yeah. So, like you were saying, so the last time the Leafs won the Cup was 1968, correct? 1967, yeah. 1967. Yep. The president at the time was Lyndon B. Johnson, and he was the 36th president. Joe Biden (laughs) is the 46th president. Yes. That kind of really tells you of how the landscape has changed compared to how it was years ago because Toronto has the talent, but, you know – this isn't the Toronto podcast. I don't really think they're winning the Stanley Cup in the next. I don't five either. Years. So I, I don't see any way it happens. I, I mean, I know that like everyone's going to say it's a travesty if Austin Matthews doesn't get a cup. He's going to have to go somewhere else to get one. What about McDavid? Are you kidding me? That's even worse. I don't think he's going to finish his career in Edmonton. Yeah, hundred percent. I would think, I think he'd it's be only a matter of time. Yeah, I think it's only a matter of time because he's, before he's like, okay, that's enough. Get me mm-hmm. out of here um, mm-hmm. now. I don't think that you can trade Martin Natchez for him one for one and get him. Not that we mm-hmm. need him, but some outlets say that. <laughs> some of them do. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think legitimately though, as far as the hurricanes are concerned, we have found we have started finding that balance with having really solid defense, really solid goaltending. And the biggest thing with the forwards, I think, is finding some chemistry as far as the distribution of the lines. One of the reasons I one of the reasons why Aho and Sveshnikov have not stayed together together consistently is they never found long-term chemistry. If yep. they keep doing what they're doing right now, they have mm-hmm. found it. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason that they, those guys have been on different lines. So, and I'm, you know, daydreaming about the future when it's the two of them and Felix Unger Sorum on the other wing, but that day will come. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's, he's definitely ready. If you haven't watched the world juniors, yeah, he, he's he's up there. But here's something. Uh, by the time this releases, it'll be January 1st. So happy new year to everybody. Year. Um, so what are your new year? Well, before I ask you what your new year's resolutions are, Griff said something to me and I have it right here. So I'm going to read it. What his new year's resolution is for the team and for management. Be brave. Don't be scared to make a move to improve your team, even if it is a bit out of your price range. And for the team, double down. Trust your game and what is and what it is you're doing right now systematically. Keep it up. What do you what do you think about that? Do you think that the Canes should target somebody before the trade deadline or at the trade deadline? Because I, I know my answer, but I want to hear your answer. Early answer, yes. Um, So one of the things that I was thinking about, and our our friends over on Kaniac Report actually prompted me to think about this. Mm -hmm. Freddie Anderson, they said that he's cleared to resume skating and he could be back in a month. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. I think that they were trying to fight with the market a little bit and try try and get them to try and get, excuse me, trying to get the goalie prices drove down because – the goalie market is really weird right now. Samsonov got waived earlier today. Everything is strange at the moment when it's in terms of 
what might dictate the price for a goalie, which is, I think, the biggest thing Carolina needs to consider trading for at this mm-hmm. particular time. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can mm-hmm. get a package deal of some sort, one that I have proposed a few times is either of Connor Ingram or Kirill Vimelko from Arizona, along with Nick Schmaltz. If you got to move a defenseman out to get that done, you more than likely have to in terms of salary and in terms of, you know, giving a good enough return to make that trade happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were not nearly as aggressive as we could have been at the deadline last year. That being said, we didn't know yeah. what was going to happen to Svechnikov. I mm-hmm. don't think that we take that chance this year. I think that we make a move to get somebody, be it Lindholm or Schmaltz, whoever. I don't know if Arizona would give up Schmaltz. It would take a bit of a price, but I just feel like he would be a, an excellent fit, and you could move Jury back over to the wing. Yeah. Um, but definitely this time at the deadline, expect the unexpected, plan for the unplanned, get that extra piece that we need just in case something along the lines of what happened to Svechnikov happens again. You right. can breathe a little bit easier about it. It was a big loss, as was Pacioretty and ultimately Kasha, mm-hmm. but – Let's not make that same mistake again. Getting Goss to spare was good. We could have done yeah. a little bit more, and we've got enough. I wish we I kept think. him. To be honest, I wish we kept him. We offered him. He uh, he didn't want it. Uh. Yeah, he um, they offered him two by two by three point two five or something like that. He got a little uh, bit more with Detroit. Plus, he was waiting to just do a bridge deal until the cap goes up, so he could try and get more because his next contract will more than likely be his yeah. last one. I would go after him. To be honest, yeah, but. What I, what I think, honestly, is, like you said, the big hole is goaltending because I really don't expect Freddie Anderson to return this season. Hopefully he returns, um, but, you know, I, we just can't speculate, especially on a medical matter uh, that serious. Mm-hmm. So, and Ranta, he signed a one-year deal for a reason, and I don't think he's... Uh, He's going to be here much longer, uh, uh-huh. if not traded. And the guy that really stands out that maybe I would make a move on is John Gibson for Brett Pesci. Uh-huh. That that's the that's the big thing for me. But uh-huh. a New Year's resolution for me, along uh, with what uh, Griff said, we're not going to touch too much on it because I want to hear yours and hear uh, you to hear mine. Uh-huh. If if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That that's my that's my thing. The power play is there, the penalty kill is there, the lines are there. And I honestly really like Seth Jarvis playing on the line with Jordan Stahl. If I were to uh, do anything, I definitely would get rid of Brett Pesci. I would definitely mm-hmm. bring back Tony D'Angelo and mm-hmm. you can come after me all you want, but well, I ain't going to come after you over that, you know. I, yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we know what he's capable of and yeah. I if anything, a goalie and a right-handed center. But, you know, Jack Drury's playing so well on the fourth line right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a kind of a waiting game. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, what are your resolutions for the Hurricanes? Find consistent chemistry five-on-five five with the forwards and leave it alone. Okay. It's like the the defense has stayed essentially the same when I felt like it needed to change. And all the different line combinations that were tried with the forwards actually didn't work out for a little while. And now it seems like they've found some consistent chemistry. And to your point about Jarvis playing with Jordo, that actually works out for his play style really well because he he plays like a crash and bang six foot two power forward, even though he's not got the size for it, but he still brings a lot of that. He has a lot of those elements to his game. 
Jarvis, Bunting, and Foster, three guys that you can kind of move up and down the lineup as you need to. Out mm-hmm. Now, out of those three, I think Jarvis is the most versatile and the most skilled. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing would be find some really good combinations, five on five for the forwards, and leave it alone. If you have to right. make adjustments, make small ones. Right, right. I'll t- I'll tell you this. I saw this the other day when we were targeting a goaltender because obviously we were. I don't know if Aaron Dell's still a part of our system. Is he? Do you know? He's playing in the Spangler Cup right now. Okay. Um, so he's getting some starts, which is good. So we were targeting a high-end goaltender. Obviously, we were going after probably Velmeca or uh, John Gibson mm-hmm. or another goaltender. And Michael Bunting got put in the conversation. And honestly... I really think that bunting should be a hurricane for the rest of his career. I do too. I, I love the way he plays and he finishes. Cause I remember when we first started doing this podcast, we talked about net front presence and he is there. And mm-hmm. especially with the power play, the net front presence wasn't there until he, along with Stefan Nason and a couple of other guys got in front of the net because that's how so many teams create chances. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Again, move anybody out, Brett Pesci. Uh, you know, I the only untouchables for me are Aho, Sveshnikov, Slavin, uh, Burns probably because you know he he's getting towards the end of his career. Seth Jarvis, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think really those are the guys that kind of stand out for me. Mm-hmm. I think um, a lot of teams would be really interested in Natchez, especially more offensively minded teams. 100%. Because if you send Natchez to somewhere like, say, Edmonton or Toronto, or no, I won't even say that because he wouldn't have anywhere to play in either one of those places because he would at least be a, at a minimum, he would be a second line center on a lot of Honestly, other teams. I'd send him to Vegas. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They've got Eichel and Stone both, though. I mean, that's the only thing. What about thing. Chandler Stevenson? He's a great center. He's left-handed. But maybe, you know, maybe put him with Lindholm, uh, Natchez Lindholm, and they give us a couple of picks. Or maybe Lindholm and Markstrom, and we get Natchez in a couple of picks. Yeah, because there's a lot of places where Natchez could go play, and he'd be in a 90, maybe a 100-point center easily because he's stated multiple times he wants to play center again. And I think that that's ultimately what's going to be cause, what causes him and Carolina to part ways. Okay. Is because he doesn't like playing wing. Um, yeah. And he feels like he needs to be able to use that creative playmaking. And, you know, when it comes to like skating ability, the guy has mm. some of the best edge work I've ever seen. Um, but he turns the puck over. He, he turns it over like crazy. So he needs to play in more of a high risk, high reward type of system. Right. Whereas Carolina, it's more of an airtight defense first. In some cases, defense only, it seems like. Um, so I think that he's your biggest trade piece along with Pesci. Um, that's why, like when I was thinking of the Arizona, the theoretical Arizona trade in my head that would bring one of their goalies and Nick Schmaltz here, those are the two guys and probably a future of some sort, a pick or a prospect. And when it comes to prospects, there's only three right now that I would say are completely untouchable. And that's Nikishin, Morrow and Unger Sorum. Yeah. So, yeah, I I would think. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Oh, yeah. So I, w- I would think that something like that, you can make a somewhat of a blockbuster move and you don't upset the core of the team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. But uh, we'll also talk about this and then we'll uh, wrap it up here. We have a couple of free agents. And I want to know 
who you want to sign because I'll I'll tell you right now. I, I really thought we would re-sign Teravinen, but he's kind of cooled off a little bit. Um, if Natus doesn't get traded, I would definitely re-sign him to a kind of a, a a little more of a bridge deal. Like, mm-hmm. um, was it two years ago or this year that he? Just two. Yeah, two years ago. Yep. And you know, I would definitely um, look at maybe you know moving Orloff out or moving. Uh, Pesci out. I honestly think the defenseman you need to keep right now is Jacob Slavin. Brent Burns is probably after this contract is going to retire. I, I honestly, it bothered me, but you know, I want Brady Shea to stay here and Chatfield. Obviously, I want to stay here too. Chatfield has to stay. Yeah, I, I just don't. Most- I just don't think he's a top four defenseman, in my opinion. Who Chatfield? Yeah. Um, so I think that like when it comes to chatty, the reason, the biggest reasons I'd keep him over Pesci other than like breaking it down into like, I just think Chatfield's a better skater. He's faster. Yeah. He's got better gap control and mm-hmm. he's a little bit more physical more than anything with Chatfield. You have a slightly younger, safer option with less mileage on him and he doesn't have as much of a resume. So you wouldn't have to pay him nearly what you would have to pay Brett Pesci to stay. So from a standpoint mm-hmm. of cost and reward, Chatfield's the guy you got to keep in the regards of defense. Um, yeah. Forwards, Steph Nason. Oh, 100%. Yeah, Pay I forgot him. about him. Pay him. Three, Pay. Uh, three or four years. Yeah, I would give for him me. four. Um, yeah. You know, honestly, if you, I, I'd even give him five years if the price was right. Um, what price? Yeah. Two million? A million? Um, no, dude, he's, if he keeps playing the way he's playing, he's going to command two and a half or three. Okay, like well, he, two and a half, a I can agree on three. Yeah, maybe. three if he three if he breaks sixty points. Yeah, but the the guy is like, and it's not just what he does in terms of numbers. His um, the the leadership that he brings, the experience that he brings, and he's one of those guys. He is one of the only or one of the few people on his team that I can look at and say at no point this season did he take a shift off. Right. He played right. his heart out every single shift, every single time. Right, and you right. need a guy like that who's like, when things aren't going well, like they were not all too long ago, just a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. you know, he's he, he puts you on your back and he drags you out of the mud. He's not a skill guy, but that's the cool thing about it. It's easier to be consistent when you're not one of the skill guys. And that's right. not to say that Steph Nason has zero skill. He has plenty, but yeah, he's yeah. definitely a glue guy. So mm-hmm. when we start talking about like uh, Martin Hook, I think that he's going to be, I think he's going to go. Um, yeah. Jarvis Aho is Aho needs, uh, needs to be traded for the captaincy and Stahl needs to be the alternate. I, I think I think that's coming. I think they were just waiting, but like Aho has proven not just with what he's done on the ice, but the stuff he said in the interviews and apparent and allegedly what's been said in the locker room and everything like he's that. He's more you know, feisty. He's more feisty yeah. than Saul's than yeah. Saul is. Yeah, it's like you know, people have had the discussion about who should be the next captain. Should it be Aho or Slavin? Slavin needs to have a permanent letter A on him because he's that guy who can be that calming presence 100%. in the locker room and everything like that. But mm-hmm. Aho's that guy that can go in there and be like, hey, guys, what the heck is the matter with you? Let's get it together. And, you know, Slavin's not going to say stuff like that typically. And if mm-hmm. he does, he's going to do it in a very diplomatic way, whereas Aho will go in there and in his improved English say, hey, let's get it together. We're not playing well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, with that being said, we got to continue this conversation at another session. Where can they find you? 
Um, so I'm on X at The Warning Take, and I am also on YouTube at The Warning Take, and I will be expanding into a couple of other platforms here soon. I just don't know which ones yet. I'm looking into some stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yep, that's all I got for right now is those two. If you haven't, please check out his stuff. His videos are amazing, the analysis and just the straight-up facts of what is going on. He's got a hockey mind. He plays hockey. He knows everything there is about forwards and defensemen. I may know a little bit about goaltenders, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, I, will always, I will always defer to you on goaltenders because, like, <laughs> I tried to make a video about uh, about Kochekov. I was like, I, I took a bunch of notes, and I'm like, I got to run them by you first before I make myself look bad because I wanted to write it in, like, forward and defense terms because I played both. But yeah, it's – yeah. Um, well, you got well, you got to talk to me about that. So yeah, you can follow me. On X at ABKaniac Session, that is all one word. They will not let me put another S on there for some odd reason. I don't know why. However, you can follow Caniac Sessions on X, Instagram, Facebook, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever that may be. And Griff who is not here, you can follow him on X at M underscore Griff 10. And thank you guys so much for listening. Please go check out the warning take and we will see you in session 23. Thanks for listening to Kaniac Sessions. To stay up to date on all Kane's news or to interact with Griff and AB, please follow us on X, Instagram, or Facebook at Kaniac Sessions. Let's go Kane. Let's go Kane.